0: you think it's impossible, great. Give it everything you have until the last possible moment, regardless of the results. Watch what happens. Watch who you become and watch what becomes possible after that.
1: Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller podcast. We have such a good episode for you today. Hal Elrod is here and his story is incredible. His insight is going to change your life and I can't wait to dive in. He's been here before, but we're going even deeper this time. And uh, I'm just so happy to share this with you. Before we dive in, I want to tell you something else that's really exciting. For the holidays, I am doing a free workshop this coming Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern. We're going to go deep into affirmations, a guided visualization, and a transformative experience that you can spark that joy and gratitude and set your intentions for a magical 2024. If you want to join us for that, you can go to kathyhowcom slash enchanting to join me this Wednesday for our little holiday pop-up workshop. So as I said, today is such a treat because the extra-extraordinary Hal Elrod is back He's a renowned best-selling author, keynote speaker, podcaster, and creator of the life-transforming Miracle Morning movement that has impacted millions of people in over 100 countries. A lot of you are probably familiar with his life-changing book, The Miracle Morning, which teaches you how to create a holistic morning routine that sets the stage for a successful day in life. And you'll be thrilled to know that he has a new edition of the book that's coming out tomorrow. The new version offers 70 pages of new content designed to help people transform their lives using actionable steps to kickstart their full potential, such as The Miracle Evening, and The Miracle Life. Hal really has taken this to the next level, so definitely go get your copy. And also go listen to his podcast, Achieve Your Goals with Hal Elrod, where he empowers and equips you with practical advice and strategies to achieve your goals and your dreams. I've been a guest on it. My friend Susie Moore was on his show. It's a lot of fun, and it's gonna fire you up, so I hope that you'll check it out. We had Hal on the podcast last year, which was undoubtedly one of the most epic episodes ever, and we heard so much about how much it impacted you, so I'm really glad that we have him back today this time he came to my house and we had this beautiful conversation. It was just such a gift to be in his presence. He is a ray of sunshine, so genuine, so kind, and he really is a walking miracle. I know you're going to love this. So without further ado, please welcome the one and only Hal Elrod. Hal, I'm so happy to see you. IRL, in real life. The first time that I had you on the show, we were just talking about it. I fell in love with you. You are so lovable because you are loved. I just feel like you have such a clear, coherent, way of seeing the world, of seeing people. I know that one of your missions is to elevate consciousness. You do that on impact. So I'm so glad you're sitting here in my house. Thank you for coming. I
0: can't put it into words, Kathy. Like I am so happy. And I, I told you, I just on our first podcast, I like, I had never felt so much love toward not just other podcaster, but like, you know, very, very few human beings, especially like that quick. And yeah, it was, there's, there's something special here.
1: There's something special. Yeah. And I think. Partly because of this book, mm-hmm. you have a practice of opening yourself up to love. You know, when we get past the spinning thoughts and the ego and all that stuff, mm-hmm. what's there in reality is just love. It's like you feel this endless feeling of love. I think anyone who's ever had any kind of mystical experience, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whenever you find that place of equanimity, you just mm-hmm. can feel there's, there's a lot of truth to it just feeling like love and so i feel like you are a vessel for that like you really are a vessel for that and you've just had so much of a journey in your life that also makes you so deeply grateful and appreciative and present and i know we talked about that the first time you were here but i i just feel like even though we're going to talk about a lot of new thoughts and and yeah. things that are coming to you i feel like that context is so important like i yeah. feel like how do we not like touch on yeah. that can you just Talk a little bit about your life yeah, and how precious it really is and why you're so awake to wanting to wake up early every day and wanting to make the most out of every day. Give people a little context.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I shared this with you last time that we spoke, but so when I was eight years old, I woke up to my mother screaming across the hall. And I ran across the hall and she was giving mouth to mouth resuscitation to my 18 month old sister, Amory. And, um, she died that morning of heart failure. And so at eight years old, I didn't know to process it. You know, in fact, I was trying to like make light of it and go, Oh, she's in heaven. That's great. I was trying to cope. But what I didn't realize at the time, but fast forwarding to getting older and looking at my life's journey is that within six months, my mother was leading a support group for other parents who had lost children. So she turned her pain into purpose and service. And then my dad started a fundraiser for the hospital that tried to save my sister's life, which eventually would actually come full circle and save my life. He didn't know that happened, but he was supporting them. So I saw from my, from a young age oh, that God. when you go through a tragedy, that if you can find a way to help other people with what you went through, right? It makes something valuable out of that tragedy that you endured. And so that would really set the tone for what would come in my life later. Fast forward 12 years later, I was driving home from work, from a speech. Actually, I'd given it a conference and my car was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. I spun off the drunk driver, the car behind me hit me in the driver's side door, t bone me at 70 miles an hour. And I broke 11 bones uh, and I bled to death. Uh, it took an hour to bleed out, but an hour after the accident, the jaws of life were used to tear the roof off, pull me out of the car and I, I bled to death. My heart stopped beating and I stopped breathing. I was clinically dead for six minutes, rushed to the hospital and went through, you know, six days in a coma. Well, I would never walk again on a coma, permanent brain damage. And of course we can unpack that if you'd like. That it would be the last time, but then you fast forward. Uh, Fast forward nine more years and 2008 recession happened. And this is much more common, right? Like millions of Americans, I lost over half of my income. I couldn't pay the bills. My house was foreclosed on, which was painful. My first home I'd ever bought. And I went through in a real depression. And that's where the miracle morning was born. So we can circle back to that. And then the most difficult tragedy of, of all of my uh, tragedies was seven years ago at age 37. I woke up in the middle of the night struggling breathe. And they took me into the ER and they had to drain almost two liters of fluid from my lung. And a day and a half later, it filled back up and they had to do it again. And I every other day, I would go to the ER and they had to drain my lung and they're doing tests trying to figure out what's wrong. And I ended up being diagnosed with a very rare aggressive form of cancer called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And it has a 20 to 30% survival rate. And to me, compared to my car accident, now I had a seven-year-old daughter named Sophia to... Consider that I was the doctors were saying I was probably going to die within the next one to three weeks and I had a four year old son, Halston. And so I had to, you know, face the most difficult time in my life, uh, with, you know, kind of the same mindset that I had on my car accident. which like, how am I going to overcome this? How am I going to beat the odds? How am I going to defy the logic of doctors once again to survive this seemingly insurmountable challenge? And, uh, so yeah, all of those combined are my life experiences and knock on wood. I'm, I'm hoping that. Like the the big ones are behind me, and I can just enjoy the rest
1: it's uh it's truly shocking. It's like that rage, shock, and awe, like I'm in awe of you, and one sentence of one of those stories is enough for somebody to be traumatized, for somebody to have a whole history that unwinds because of one moment of any of those stories and and all of those stories. And all that comes with those stories you have experienced, which is really, really hard to wrap my mind around. And it's awe inspiring. And it feels to me nothing short of this miraculous life, like that you've been chosen to go through these things because there is some unbelievable way. It seems sort of superhuman for sure that you go through these experiences and then. Have this capacity to find treasure and make meaning and then help millions of people to access more of their potential, more of their appreciation, a more fulfilling life in the midst of going through like actual torture of of a proportion that like most people have never known. Thank God from anything like this. And like, I don't even know. I don't know what on earth would be appropriate to say other than I'm in awe and uh, you are such a blessing and it's such an incredible gift that you are you and that you you choose with your will to keep choosing to find whatever's the highest perspective and uh, and here you are and we're here to talk about this book and it's like this book is just one thing. One of the gifts that you give into the world from everything that you experience. And you're still such a young person. It's like you've lived so much life. You've lived the life of thousands of people's sure. journeys in one life, but your response, right? Your response to life is like an Olympian. It's like an Olympic level. It's like if, if somebody could play in different sports, in the Olympics, you are the gold medal. The sport called life, it's like you, you are the Olympic lifer. And so what a gift to learn from you, whatever you've, you've surmised and how to make the most of it. And so then here you are living like a normal Friday and we all, we have the experience of knowing like just a regular Tuesday can feel like heavy or we can feel caught in a slump or unproductive and you have found a way to help people to really like elevate their lives. So you started to write this because of your practice in 2008. Yeah. So what was the beginning of this? Like, what's the beginning of the practice that became this book?
0: Yeah. So, and it, it was definitely not a book idea. You know, was, it was as organic right. as it could be where, um, so I was my lowest point, definitely not physically. I had, I, I had hit a lower point physically with my car yeah. accident, but. Uh, financially, I was at my lowest quality. and And then I actually, I wrote about, I think it was New York morning. I've written a couple of books, but um, it was why debt was worse than death. Because in 2008, I was mentally far more distraught than in 1999 when the car accident happened. And I think it was because when I came out of the coma and I had to face this unimaginable reality, right? It wasn't going to get worse. It was like, this is it. You just were dead a few weeks ago, and now you're alive, and now you're going to heal. Wow. You may never walk again, and you might be in a wheelchair the rest of your life, but right? And so, of course, very difficult news to hear, but in 2008, things started to get bad. I started losing clients, and we go, oh, okay, all right. This economy, maybe it's it's more than I, I thought that I create one economy, I'm very empowered, and, you know, and oh, I'm actually losing clients, and I am out of control of that. Maybe this is really real. And then I lost more clients. And then all of a sudden, okay, now I can't pay my bills. This is scary. Like, I've don't, i I've never dealt with this before. I don't I don't know what to do. And then I lost another client, right? And so it was this downward spiral that I had never, ever had to deal with, right? It would almost be like being in a car accident over the course of six right. months, right? right? Slow motion. Yeah, in slow motion. Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm not equipped. And then all the fears of like, I can't support myself. Am I going to be homeless? Like, yeah. what, what am I going to do? And then also I was a success coach. That's how I made my money. Sure. So this identity crisis of like, who am I to coach anybody? So not only do I need clients, am I even qualified to have ai can I can't, I'm yeah. not successful myself. So it was just, it, I was a mess and I finally confessed. I, I hadn't pulled anybody too, because like, you know, I, I don't know. I was, I think when you go yeah. through t- something, just I, I, turtled up, right? And like yeah. only my fiance is now my wife saying, God, she's saved me only she knew my parents knew, but she said, call one of your successful friends and ask him for advice, sweetie, because I can't help you. And I hate seeing like this. I don't know what to do. Maybe they can help you. And specifically my friend, John Berghoff, she said, call John and ask him for advice. So I called John and I'm looking for advice on how to make money and turn my finances around. And he says, hell, I want you to listen to this Jim Rohn audio. And I want you to take detailed notes. I go, what the, Is he going me how to make, money and turn my business <laughs> around? No, but it'll change how you approach your life and how you think about life. And it, it, it'll it's like, the, it'll teach a man the fish kind of thing. It'll teach, it'll teach you the fish. I go, I was, dude, I, I was looking for some financial <laughs> strategies, but okay. So I listen to Jim Rohn audio and I hear a quote that becomes the catalyst for the year of the morning and changing my life faster than ever thought possible. Jim Rohn said, if you're listening to this, is worth like writing down, really internalize this. Your level of success will rarely exceed your level of personal development and i had maybe even heard it before but at that moment it landed in this different way where i quantified it and i went okay wait a minute there's two parts to that statement your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development so the two questions that came out of that for me i go okay well what level of success do i want and not just in business but every area of my life so if we're measuring success in myself and i my have relationships right on a scale of one at 10 i want level 10 like everyone does right we want to there's an innate drive and desire within all of us to fulfill our potential. Yes. So I, go, I want level 10 success. Got it. And then the next part of this statement is, well, it's not going to see your level of personal development. So then I said, okay, well, where's my level of personal development? And the way that I define personal development is the big topic is our term. That's who are you becoming? What are the knowledge, the knowledge you're acquiring? The skills you're developing? The mindset you're nurturing, right? Like who are you developing yourself to be? And at that time in my life, I was in desperation, scarcity, fear mode. So I go, well, I want level 10 success with my level of personal development. So like I get a two, like maybe a three or a four on a good day. And I believe this is the disconnect for 95 to 99% of our societies. Everybody wants level 10 success in every area of life. Very few people have a daily personal development ritual that ensures they become the level 10 version of themselves. So in my mind, I went, okay, I've got to go, I'm going to go online. I'm going to Google, what are the world's most successful people do for their personal development? I'm going to adopt the best practice and I'm gonna theoretically become that person to turn my life around. And I Google for like thirty minutes an hour and I had six practices and I got overwhelmed because I go, I can't do all of these. Like which one's the best? And I'm reading articles for going back and I don't I don't know. I got confused and overwhelmed. And then thank God, literally God, I believe, was like, well no 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 don't give up. Do all of them. I thought what if I wake up tomorrow 30 minutes earlier or sixty minutes earlier and I did the six most timeless proven personal development practices That the world's most successful people have sworn by for centuries. That would be the ultimate personal development ritual that theoretically would enable me to become a level five, six, seven, eventually a level 10 version of myself that had the knowledge, the skills, the habits, the qualities to create everything you want for my life. And I thought it would take me a year. I was like, I'll give myself a year to turn this around. And in less than two months, doing these six practices, which we can come back and unpack later, but I more than doubled my income. And I want to highlight this because that was. In 2008, at the height of the Great Recession, when banks were crashing, homes mm-hmm. were crashing, and I was doing up until that point that morning routine, what 99.9% of people do, which is point at something as to why they're not. Yes. Where I'm failing because of the economy, my business is failing because of the economy. But when you point at something else, you completely lose power to make any change. No, and I went, and I pointed at myself. I go, oh wait, what if I become the person that can thrive in the worst economy? That's what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. And in less than two months, I more than doubled my income. I was being in the worst shape of my life. haven't had exercise in six months to committing to run a 52-mile ultramarathon because I hated running. And I thought, what better way to become a level 10 version of myself? And my depression didn't take two months to go away. It started going away on day one. And the reason I believe that is, is I hadn't feeling hopeless for six months, increasingly hopeless. And when you feel hopeless, that's the recipe for depressive, right? Because it's not going to get better what's the point? Nothing's working. Right. And on day one of my miracle morning, I went, wow, if I start every day with this much energy and clarity and I keep gaining knowledge, it's only a matter of time before I become the person that could turn this around. And I went to my wife, this is the bow on the story. I said, sweetheart, I remember I met her in the hallway. I went, I, I signed on a coaching client for the day. I said, Swear. I signed on two coaching clients today. She goes, congratulations, good job. To- I said, no, you don't understand. We've more than doubled our income since I hit rock bottom six months ago. It's all because it's morning routine. It feels like a miracle. She goes, without well, skipping a beat, it's your miracle morning. I go, I like the miracle morning. And then start teaching my coaching clients. They're resistant at first. They did it. And, you know, the rest is not history, as they say.
1: It's an amazing story, not only because of the content of the story, but because of the way that you tell the story and the energy that comes from you when you tell the story. I feel like I get an ivy drip of like the most incredible vitamin biological upgrade sauce. Like I feel it is such a gift to just be in your presence and hear you sort of deliver that message. It's the message itself is fuel because of the, the way that you share it. So are you talking about the savers? Or those, yeah. the, the things? Those are those that they- Yeah, so it's amazing to me that you heard Jim Rohn say this and then were motivated to go do that research. And then you were the person who said, well, what if we just put this all together? Like, what? why hasn't everyone thought of that? what? That's so genius. And then, okay, well, what if I woke up earlier and I did these things? And so let's, let's unpack a little bit about these savers. And you've been practicing them now for a while. So like years. what you've learned about how to really do them, like what's really the crux of doing these savers, right? Yeah. So a lot of times people read things and they don't really still access, right? What's at the heart of it? So I'd love to hear what are the things that you you do that make up these savers? And then what makes you feel like you've actually dropped it and landed and you're actually doing it in a way that actually you see the change in your day?
0: Yeah. Well, I'll start by saying that a lot of the savers are, or some of them are woo woo, like, you know, visualization, visualize, right? Yes. You know, affirmations, those are so cheesy, you know, meditation. Yeah, like, I'm trying to get results, not just feel better. Right. And so for me, Uh, I'm very left brained. um, And as I learned these practices, I go, I need to adapt them to all be very practical, very actionable, and very results oriented, right? I don't want to visualize something just to feel better or affirm something to delude myself in the tanky, right? And so the savers, by the way, didn't start as the savers. Of course, it was the six practices. And the first was meditation, which became the S in savers, which is for silence. And I'm so glad that it did because I also pray during my miracle morning, right? So my period of silence is prayer and meditation. And occasionally I'll do a breath workout, right? Which is also a form of silence, but that starts your day by getting you centered and lower your literally lower your cortisol yeah. levels and then opening you up to hear the wisdom of God, the universe, your own higher, you know, thinking. But, but we don't hear it like today's world. We normally start the day. There is no space for silence. It's like you grab the phone right. and now silence is gone whether you're visually or auditorily stimulated. the other way, you're stimulated and you're not, there's no space for you to see get those great ideas. And so intentionally starting your day with peaceful, purposeful silence is crucial. Now in the new book, I go further because one of the things about the sabers, when I first started the miracle morning, like I should have written the book probably six months after I started the practice, maybe even three months, probably six months. And so I was, I was a novice at all of the sabers. It's been 15 years. I've done them almost every single day. I mean, over 4,500 New York mornings, like 6.2 days a week, oh almost gosh. every day. And so, I've explored every type of meditation practice, and then and then developed my own. So, in terms of silence, in the book, I teach something called emotional optimization meditation. It's something that I think I made up. I always hesitate to say that because you think you made something up, and then you read like Thinking You grow Rich. You're like, oh, they said this in 1937. <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> So, but anyway, but but it's my own meditation where instead of just following your breath, right? There's benefits to meditation in terms of you follow your breath, you clear your mind, et cetera, et cetera. Again, being results oriented, I go, I want to be able to identify what's the optimal emotional state that would serve my highest good today based on what's on my calendar. So if I've got to give a keynote presentation okay. in front of 500 CEOs, I really got to be present, confident, and right? So that's the state I'll meditate in in the morning. If it's Saturday morning, my kids are coming out in an hour, I'll get in a playful, fun, loving, silly state. If my spouse and I, my wife and I had an argument the night before, you know, and let's say we didn't make up before bed. That's always the goal, but sometimes it doesn't happen. And I know she's triggered. I was, and I know she can come out of the bedroom going, you know, I've literally met, I say meditate and marinate or almost interchangeably, right? But I'll use this emotional optimization meditation technique where I'll identify, okay, the state I need to be in, I need to be in a state of love, forgiveness, empathy, compassion. And then I, in the book, I teach you like, here's how you get into that state, like some steps to do that. And then I'll set the timer for five minutes, whatever. And I'll imagine her coming out of the bedroom and me feeling these feelings of love and empathy and remembering last night's argument is it's insignificant to this relationship that we have. And so I need to let that go and see her for who she is and what she means to me. So I'll rehearse it in the morning. And so uh, this meditation practice, yeah, it enables you to hardwire these optimal emotional states so they become accessible at will. So if I need confidence, oh I go there all I've been there. If I need to be at peace, if I need to be happy, and my general daily state, if there's nothing on my calendar that requires a specific emotional state, is just bliss is I just like, I'm like, I just want to be in a state of peace and love and gratitude and joy. So that is now my default state. It's how I go to sleep. It's how I wake up because I've conditioned in the morning, not because I just said that's something I would love to have.
1: It's incredible. And I love this idea. And I don't think I made this up either. Someone has said it, but I've heard it enough. And now I say it, which is that select your thoughts in the morning the way you select your clothes. And I love that we're really distilling down that, we get to decide how we feel. Yes. And that we don't need to leave it up to chance to see how the environment will decide for us how we feel today. Because yep. boy, is that such a lose lose? Yep. I mean, then you're going out in your day where you've given all your power away. So you've lost. Yep. And then who knows what you're going to yep. see and or then observe.
0: It's, I, I hope the external forces pay me good luck today because otherwise I'm going to be a mess. I have no control.
1: Right. I mean, I think about someone like the Dalai Lama and I think, you know, wow, people say all the time, I see people say, you got to protect your energy, you know, and I, I've i heard it said what I like better is you got to project your energy, mm. right? Like if the Dalai Lama was at the DMV or like stuck in traffic, he's still deciding how he feels. And you say it in a way That is so powerful. And then you created a practice. And that's why everyone does need to have this book. Like everyone should get the book and then get it for five of your friends and family for the holidays. Because how could we be so busy as to not make the time choose to be in a state of bliss where you can memorize it and then you can live your life and say, Oh, my life, it's blissful. This is what bliss feels like. And I don't need to wait for something to happen. Yeah to let myself feel bliss. I could decide to feel that way right now. What a concept. But that's only the first thing. Then you add five more things to that. Like that enough would be like, wow, what an incredible human to be around. What an incredible way for you to manifest and co-create gorgeous things in your day. But no, you go further. Do you want to touch on the other five things or do you want to just- I'll touch on a few. Yeah, because a lot.
0: The first three are really the ones that I have, I think are very unique ways to approach them. So affirmations, I think, is the most misunderstood and- in my opinion, the most effective form of personal development, hmm. and it's misunderstood either by well-meaning self-help gurus that have taught a certain way of doing something because it's been right. taught this way. So, with affirmations, number one, the problem lying to yourself doesn't work. Now, sure. so if you're struggling financially, let's say you're you're broke or whatever, oh, again, the well-meaning self-help guru would say, "Well, just." Tell yourself, I am wealthy. Right. I am wealthy and just say it over and over. Yeah. yeah. Until you believe it, but your subconscious is like, uh, you're fighting yourself now. It's like, I am wealthy, but you're like, my bank balance was negative. How can I say that and believe it? So affirmations need to be rooted in truth. The second problem with affirmation is that we're taught this flowery passive language that promises an almost magical result independent of any effort on our part. A very popular form of that affirmation is, I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. And it's like, that's not how money works, right? And so the reason I think that that affirmation is actually to the test of time is because it's a form of delusion, kind of like taking a drug that provides temporary relief. So if you're struggling financially again and you go, I'm a money magnet, oh, that feels better than looking at the bank's balance. That's my reality. Money's going to flow into my life effortlessly. Oh, okay. I I can dig that. And in abundance, amazing. And so those affirmations is like taking a shot of tequila every morning, right? You're like, that I sounds- feel better for a little yeah. bit. I feel better for a little bit. So in the new book, I break down, I walk you through how to create affirmations in three very powerful steps. And again, practical, actionable, or results-oriented. Step one, affirm what you're committed to. So don't say I am wealthy. So I'm committed to becoming wealthy or I'm committed to increasing my income by 30% this year or I'm committed to earning an extra hundred. That rates. Very, what are you committed to? Because that's all you're gonna get in your life, right? And now by the way, it could be a commitment to an outcome or it could be a commitment to a process or an activity. So for example, you could say I'm committed to losing 20 pounds by the end of this year, no matter what, there is no other option. Or you could say I'm committed to running for 20 minutes on the treadmill five days a week no matter what, there's no other option. Either way, you're going to get closer to that outcome that you're committed to. Step two, why it's a must for you. Affirm why it's a must for you. So what are, what's the reason or the reasons that are so compelling that that even when you're tired or you don't feel motivated, you read the reasons, you're like, I don't feel motivated, but it doesn't matter because I'm doing it for these things yeah. and these people that, that are so important that I'm going to do it. And then step three, affirm which actions you'll take and which and that's where the rubber meets the road where you go okay here's what I'm committed to here's why okay but what are you going to do and when are you going to do it to ensure that that commitment becomes a reality and so that affirmation formula i apply that to my role as a father my role as a husband my goals every goal i have follows that formula my financial goal what am i committed to why is it a must what am i going to do my fitness goal what am i committed to why is it all the way down so Here's a real-life example of how I I literally believe this affirmations formula saved my life, literally saved my life. Seven years ago, I was diagnosed with that rare and aggressive form of cancer and given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving, which by the way, is a 70 to 80% chance of dying. I always say like the other side of it, right? It's like a pretty grim odds. And in the beginning, you know, I'm so optimistic. So I told my wife the day I was diagnosed, she was a rep, understandably. And I said, Ursula, I said, I know you're scared. I want you to know there's a 100% chance that I will be among the 20 to 30% of those that survive this cancer. I said, those statistics are based on every human being that is, which is a small amount, it's a rare cancer, but everyone that's diagnosed with cancer, including those that live in fear, those that have terrible nutrition habits, those that give up, I'm none of those things. I said, I will find out what they've done to beat this cancer. I will do everything they've done and infinitely more. So I'm telling you, in my mind, I'm a 100% chance I'll be among the 20 to 30%. And that was my mindset in the beginning. And then within a few days of doing a little research, I found out that Wayne Dyer died from leukemia. And I had a leukemia. And I went, oh, yeah,
1: that's wait,
0: if Wayne, who's someone I aspire right. to be as evolved as, right. if he didn't make it, what makes me think I can? So, so all of a sudden now doubt was really deeply planted. And I went, what if I do everything right and I still die? And, and so I got really scared. And then I started thinking of, you know, my mind goes, my kids aren't going to have a dad. And that's huh. and then, you know, very quickly, I mean, within probably a day or so, I went, okay, that fear is not serving me. If I am going to be this, the only way I'm going to be this is if I can infuse my cells with unwavering faith that I'm going to make it. So I used my Miracle Morning. All six of the savers were focused on my outcome of beating cancer. So I meditated in the state of complete healing. Now, my affirmations formula I th- were the anchor. I feel like these are what saved my life. Step one, what are you committed to? I'm committed to beating cancer and living to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula and the kids. No matter what, there is no other option. And I said that every day, multiple times a day with such conviction that within a week or so, it became my reality and fear wasn't even, it wasn't even there. Because whenever I started to feel fear, I pulled the affirmation off my bedside table and I would read it with such conviction that that became the reality. Step two, why is it a must-free? I'm committed to beating cancer for Ursula because I promised her in forever and a day. I have five, there were five whys for you. I'm committed to beating cancer for my mom and dad because they lose already lost a child or they don't deserve to lose another one. I'm committed in cancer for Sophia and Halston because they need their daddy's love guidance, and leadership, and I want to see them grow up. I'm committed in cancer for myself because I deserve to live a long, happy, healthy life. And last but not least, I'm committed in cancer for the millions of people who are themselves battling cancer or some other disease and may not have been blessed with the knowledge or resources that I have. And it's my responsibility to overcome this so I could help them on their journey. And those five reasons were so important to me and so compelling. That when I was sick from chemo, when I was exhausted, when I felt like giving up because I was so unhealthy and so miserable, it was like, nope, I can go one more day. I can go one more day for these people, for me. You know, and so those that why got me to keep going. And then the third step, which actions will you take and when? I didn't want to do chemo because it poisons your body and many people die from the chemo. But I reached out to two of the best holistic doctors in the country and they said, because your cancer is so aggressive, your best bet is chemo. We can't help you. And so I went, okay, I have to do chemo. But, and I was afraid, what if the chemo kills me? What if the chemo kills me? And I went, okay, so I'm going to do chemo. And in my affirmation, it said, but I'm going to maintain unwavering faith that my body is so strong that the chemo will <clears throat> kill the cancer, uh, but it won't kill me. And I will combine that with the best holistic practices Available. I will relentlessly research, and and I said I will not leave my life into the hands of the doctors or the medical establishment. I will take one hundred percent responsibility for doing every holistic practice to cure myself of cancer in conjunction with chemotherapy and rebuild my immune system and my body. And I took seventy supplements a day. I did ozone sauna three times a week. I did lymphatic massage. I did three coffee enemas a week. I ate an organic diet. I read and I did I every, every my entire being. And the miracle morning was that anchor every morning. All six practices were focused on beating cancer. Every book I read was natural ways to beat cancer, right? And I believe that those three steps, that affirmation formula literally saved my life. It's literally like
1: medicine, like just the words itself. And there's a story, there's a story that is in the Talmud, right? And People say, what's the Talmud? It's like when Moses was on this mountain, you know, for all these days, he was downloading all these like beautiful nuggets of wisdom. And one of these that was then written down is this beautiful story that when God made the world before God made people, God made angels. Mm. And when God was going to make people, the angel said to God, don't. Because you made such a beautiful world. And everything works perfectly. The stars and the moon and the waters and the heavens and everything works. And if you make people and they have something called free will Mm. and they have something called subjective truth and, you know, they don't always just operate under whatever is the most solid sort of like a rule of order, it's going to destroy everything. And of course... It's true, right? Like whoever you are, if you have ever thought about, well, what is an angel, whether you believe in them or not? I guess an angel is something that's just a servant of, of goodness, right? Mm. It doesn't ever not do that, right? Yeah. And what's amazing is that in this story, so God says to the angels, just watch, just watch what a person will become. And I think about that story and then what you just said, and I'm like, this is what God had in mind is that you could give someone, a situation like that, and that your own will, your own choice of how you choose to show up with it, it's unbelievable to actually comprehend because we know that you equally had a capacity to just go down, right? And it's, you had to choose, you had to choose to to fully commit yourself to the most beautiful sense of purpose. And and that in of itself, I mean, we're sitting here talking about a book. You know how many books I've bought? It's like that one thing is enough to give someone everything to come that's good in their life, that one gorgeous part of your story. And it's hard to believe there's so much more in the book because that in of itself is you could just sit, in awe of that, like looking at the Grand Canyon, you could just sit in awe of what you just said for the rest of our lives. And we, would, we wouldn't run out of what to just be just completely enamored. And you make us better people by sharing that. And so what's amazing to me is so many people, regular people, because you're not regular, nothing about you is regular. And so somebody could say, well, the reason this works for him is because he's yeah. so incredibly special. Like, there must be something about the way that lightning struck when he was conceived that he just has this this unbelievable, unbeatable, unshakable spirit, right? But you've been able to share this with regular people, so many of them, millions and millions of people. We just were talking before we started hitting record. Brazil, South Korea, America, I mean, all over the world, people who speak different languages, people who have different religions. People, all different kinds, ages, and they've gotten results. You love that word. They've changed their lives. So, what would you say to the people who feel like, "How? I'm amazed by you, but you don't understand. If you were inside my head at 1 p.m. every day, I've got nothing. I run out of uh, any kind of drive. I run out of any kind of confidence. I run out of any kind of purpose. And then I live most of my life kind of like that. Yeah. And I don't know how anything is going to ever pull me out of that." And because I'm just locked into this default, you know, I maybe yeah. go to the gym for two weeks and I go right back. What do you say? Because I feel like that's where a lot of people say, I listened to Jim Rohn. I went to Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. I, I read then- The Course in Miracles. And then I go back. I just keep going back. But you have helped so many people make a different default. Yeah. You just said bliss is your default, for yeah. God's sake. So what is it that you think allows people to get out of that place? that purgatory, that place where they just kind of hang out and they're just so unfulfilled and actually read something like this and then it actually takes hold. What do you think causes that?
0: Yeah, I think that it's because how you start your day is arguably the most important decision that you make. And if you want to improve your life or transform your life, it's transforming your morning that makes the impact. And the reason is how you start your day sets the tone, the context and the direction for the rest of your day. And so if you sleep until the last minute, to where you don't have any time to become a better version of the person that went to bed the night before, right? then you're just the same person you were yesterday and the same person, right? Day. Yeah. And so if you don't get better, life doesn't get better. And whereas the miracle morning, I mean, there's really, there's two kind of big picture benefits. It's the immediate, the daily benefit, which is like, okay, I started the day today and I'm energized. Like I'm ready. I'm excited. That's what I was actually thinking when you said the person at 1 PM, that's like, why don't I, you know, I'm not motivated. Like saying, I'm like, hey, not being a
1: miracle morning. Yeah, like, it. like, yeah.
0: yeah. But, um, but so that's the thing is that it makes every day better. You, because you're better. You start the day at your, at a better version of who you're worth. And now you can show up at your best. That's the short-term day by day, by day, by day right. benefits. The long-term benefit is when you compound those miracle mornings, one after another, after another. You just keep ratcheting up the level of you know who you are from wherever you are now. Whatever it's you know the numbers are all arbitrary, right? But it's like whoever you are right now in terms of your knowledge, your skills, your mindset, your habits, your capabilities yeah. can transform. And the other thing that I would say to anybody that was like you know had any doubt around what we're talking about or the Miracle Morning or the book or whether it's because you're like I'm just not motivated, it wouldn't work for me, or I'm not a morning person and I don't want to be one, I would say join the club first of all yeah you have one well yeah but the morning piece you know i was asked during an interview years ago how you have millions of people the miracle morning around the world what percentage of those people were already morning people so this was like easy for them it was like oh instead of checking email in the morning at you know 6 a.m i'll do the miracle morning in the savers easy peasy i'm already up right and then what percentage were like i sleep till the last minute hit the snooze button three times never been a morning person Don't want to become one, right? And I was like, I'm like, that's the most important question. We know the answer to. I don't know the answer, and so I started surveying our community years ago, and kind of pleasantly surprised. Seventy two percent, on average, of Miracle Morning practitioners said they had never believed they could be a morning person before they read the book, and that was part of my psychology because I was my biggest insecurity when I wrote it was how am I going to convince someone that's never been a morning person to like get over? Like maybe I can get them to be like, yeah, I see this would work, but. Not for me. Or I'm excited, but then they give up after three days when the excitement was, I'm like, how can I make this a lifelong habit for people? So it's almost like the Miracle Morning book is kind of like for people that never believe they could be a morning person, right? If you already are a morning person, like that's easy. So
1: what is the optimal time? Is it six AM? No, there is none.
0: And that's what I love about it. So in Mm -hmm. fact, so the Miracle Morning, here's an important, I'm going to ask myself a question to answer for you, right? Which is like, okay, what does this look like? Do I have to make it at a certain time? That's not what you asked, right? Do the savers have to do in certain order? Yeah. Do I even have to in the morning? Could I do it in the afternoon? They'd be just as good, right? So how do I get started? Like the, you know, this kind of logistical questions. So the miracle morning can be done in as little as six minutes. And that's not hyperbole. There's a chapter in the book called the six minute miracle morning. And the way I came up with that was not for the book. It was in my own life because I have the same mentality most of us have, which is this all or nothing mentality. Where if you like to work out for 30 minutes, but you only have 15, you're like, I'm not gonna. no point. I'll right. do it tomorrow. Right. Right. And so I would have a New morning where I liked an hour, but if I only had 30 minutes, I'm like, yeah, only I 20, you know, I'm like, there's no point. And there was, and I kept putting it off and just not doing it. Yeah, and then one day, I think I had like 15 minutes to leave the house. And I don't, I don't remember what got me thinking, but I went, what if I did a six minute version where I just did one minute of each of the savers? So I set my timer on my phone for one minute and I sat there in silence and I just said, God, you know, I prayed for 30 seconds and I let my gut centered and I'm like, "Well, oh, that was nice. Well, time went off Hit it again. I had my affirmations out and I just read what I was committed to, why it was a month for me. And I just got through probably two or three affirmations, but it really reinforced the most important things in my life. Time went. Then I visualized what I needed to do today. And saw myself doing the most important thing while being in a peak emotional state, which we haven't covered visualization yet. But and right then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Then I got to exercise, and I stood up and I did 60 seconds of jumping jacks. Okay, I'm a win. I'm, I'm like, a- I'm listening Then I pulled out the book I was reading and I spent one minute reading one page. Got a brilliant idea that I could apply That's to my life. Then I pulled out my journal and my scribing the last S and Sabres, and I wrote down what I was grateful for. And I sat there and I felt amazing. deeply grateful. And I went, wow. Six minutes. And I feel like I got seventy percent of the benefit of the savers. And so you can do it in six minutes, you can do it in any order.
1: Yeah. We all have six minutes. Yeah. We all have six minutes. You talk about how there's also a miracle evening. Yeah. What does that mean? So before you go to bed, you refer back to what you do in the morning?
0: So let me answer it this way. So the new book, the Miracle Morning Update and Expanded Edition. So it's been eleven years since the original came out. And it was a fear of like I don't want to mess it up. Like, obviously this book is resonating with people. But when you go back and watch a video of yourself from 10 years ago, read your own work, you're like, this is embarrassing. Right, you we always
1: improve, yeah. Totally.
0: So it was this really like careful thing where I want to make sure this applies to every new person so I don't change too much, but I want to give so much that someone that's read the original book, even two or three times, they're like, wow. So I added 70 pages of new content. 25 pages was to the savers section. So it's like advanced techniques on meditation, affirmations, visualization, all answering every question that's come out over the last 11 years. Then I added the last 40 pages of the book are at the end and it's two new chapters. You just mentioned one, the miracle evening, which is your strategy for blissful bedtime and better sleep. And then the last chapter is the miracle life, which is your path to inner freedom. And it's basically what we've talked about, which is how I choose my optimal emotional state in the midst of the most difficult times in my life and distilling that into something people can apply in their life. And so, so yeah, so the miracle evening goes back to 2020. After six months of chemo, I went through a period, it just messed up my brain. I mean, bad. I couldn't think straight. I developed anxiety, extreme anxiety. And I started sleeping two to four hours a night, and that went on for almost six months. And if you ever slept two to four hours in the night, you're a wreck the next day. Compound that over six months. I thought people were trying to kill me. I was hallucinating. I was out of my mind. And I was so depressed. I was suicidal. I wasn't even myself. I had lost control of my brain. And so I went on a relentless pursuit, like curing the cancer. How do I cure my insomnia? Because I'm going to die. Like, I can't do this. And then I started asking during my speeches, how many of you struggle with sleep? And it's over half yes. of the hands. Yeah. And I have a responsibility to share the, how I overcame the worst insomnia I've ever heard of. And so that's what this chapter teaches you how to do is how to let go of stressful thoughts in the evening, how to choose grateful thoughts. I talk about supplements that I take. I mean, it's seven steps that I start at dinnertime until bedtime that I walk people through to prepare yourself for restful sleep.
1: That is amazing that once again, Met another challenge with finding solutions that you could then pass to people. And I, I agree. I mean, having little kids since I had my first one who's turning 12, I just don't sleep the way that I used to sleep. And it's, it really is interesting to hear how much of a toll that takes on us. You said something earlier where you talked about meditation, lowering cortisol and I'm sure that you're really familiar with much more about that than I even am. But what I was finding so fascinating is that when Dan Butner came on the show, he was talking about the blue zones, he was saying that in these blue zones, the reason people are living into their hundreds is a few things. But one of those few things has to do with lowering the cortisol and that that cortisol is responsible for inflammation and that all disease on some level is caused by inflammation. Mm, yeah. And what I've come to now know is that cortisol is more addictive than nicotine. And so cortisol is this part of this chemical that makes us feel bad. And so it's almost like we're addicted to feeling bad. Mm-hmm. And I know Brene Brown does research about how the, the feeling of joy makes us feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a way in which feeling bad makes us feel like we're in control. Huh. So then we get addicted to feeling bad. And so I think there's this double line where I think a part of us really wants to feel good. And then there's a part of us that's actually afraid to feel good because there's this part of our brain that is there to protect us that feels feeling good is like losing control, right? Because yeah. you're angry and you're sad. There's a way your brain tells you. There's a way in which that feeling, that, that feeling feels like you're more in control than if you're just sort of like open. And I know that that needs to be dealt with so that we can let go and feel good. You know, when I say to people, "What you want is available, but it's going to cost you." You're going to have to stop feeling bad. Yeah. People like they don't like that. Yeah. They want to be able to like, hold on to feeling bad. Yeah. I don't know if you have come across that in a really direct way, but I see that, and I wonder, how do you help someone who is unconsciously addicted to like just feeling bad to welcome the opening of joy? Right. Because on some level, people sort of feel more in control if they're a little bit more curmudgeoning, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: Well, I think that I think part of it is the reason mm-hmm. they feel in control is that they're on high alert. That's right. Right. It's like hypervigilant. Yeah. So if you're stressed, okay. you're on exactly. high alert. Exactly. But if you surrender and you feel safe.
1: Exactly. Now
0: you're vulnerable. Wait, yeah, hey, right. I'm not looking out for it. I'm you know, right. I'm not on like the verge of fight or flight. I think that I mean, how to get someone there. Number one, I would say gradually, right? I think that for anything, when you learn something new, even like, even with the miracle morning, when I speak, when I do a keynote and I end my keynote with the miracle morning, I used to call it 30 day challenge, but in the new book, it's 30 day journey because one of my team members, they go, hell, oh, we all have enough challenges. Why don't, it's more of a journey. Right. It's not better. Like, not adding new challenges. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: I guess so be challenges. I don't yeah. want another 30, but one for 30. Yeah. That's a long yeah. time of challenges. So anyway, but when I end the speech, I... So now I used to be like, wake up an hour early. And I used to be like, just all in. And now I go, no, no, I go, if you want to wake up an hour earlier and do all six sabers like I first did, you can, but but I don't recommend it. I recommend waking up 10 minutes earlier and choosing one of the sabers. And if you've never read the New York Morning book, just do the R for reading. Right. And then as you're reading the book, every day it's shifting your mindset. You're feeling better. You're feeling calmer. You're feeling more empowered. You're feeling like more things are possible for you. Then you get to the chapter on silence and you're like, oh, I'll add silence tomorrow to my reading. I'll do a miracle morning with reading and silence. Then a couple of days later, you get to the chapter on affirmations and you fold that in your miracle morning. So now it's like two weeks into your miracle morning. It's just been like 10 minutes a day. Maybe you upped it a little bit each day. And now you're doing a full blown miracle morning, but you leaned into it and your mindset gradually opened up to new possibilities. Yes,
1: Right. And now it's it's
0: like, you're like, wait, I'm getting good feedback. It's actually happening, you know? Yeah.
1: I love that because a friend of mine said, we create, we manifest, we we grow at the speed of safety Mm. because our nervous system, whether we like it or not, it has an opinion and it lets you know when it doesn't feel safe. Like, you know, you get in a relationship dating for a few days. You're so excited. You're on top of the world. You can picture like Tom Hanks, you know, walking down the street and just met Daryl Hannah, singing his heady doodah. And then there's this moment we've all experienced where it's like, wait a minute, I'm so vulnerable. Oh my gosh. And then we kind of sabotage ourselves, yeah. right? Because your nervous system starts to say, what can go wrong here? Yeah. I feel really exposed. I feel really vulnerable. And so I love that you, you find a way, you did this earlier in what you were saying, to make it accessible, to make it approachable for people, like the six minute version of it makes it approachable. And what you just said, I remember when I met John Kabat-Zinn, who's like one of the masters of mindfulness. And I said, what about someone who's going through a lot of acute pain? Maybe they're grieving, maybe somebody just passed and it's really hard for them to even approach mindfulness and this idea of just being still because they're, and he said, yeah. So I would say, um, don't even take it on. do it in a way that's so gentle. He said, Mm -hmm. like, instead of sitting down and saying, I'm going to meditate now when you're literally, you know, going through the throes of something so, so, so hard. How about I'm going to leave my phone at home Mm -hmm. for two minutes and just go let the sunlight hit my face. And then I'm going to go right back. I'm going to let myself pick my phone up. Or how about I'm going to walk down the beach and I won't be sitting there still like, you know, feeling my breath, but I'll just be enjoying that. And I'll I'll let myself have that for three minutes. And he's like, and then what happens is you start to build the muscle where you start to teach your nervous system that it is safe to feel good and to sustain feeling good. And I think you're such a phenomenal teacher and author and coach and all the things because you have to meet people where they are. And this practice, you've broken it down into ways that it does. What I also want to ask you, though, is, and you touched on it, but a lot of people, they're cynical and they, you you said, like actionable and results. Right. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people will sometimes if they don't feel that you can get them to a result, it feels too woo. Yeah. But when you when you look back now at the years that you've been doing this, how much of the miracle of your life has come through action? And how Mm. much of what's really gorgeous and divine and and a blessing in your life has just come right to you in a way of synchronicity, in a way that you can't really explain in some kind of mystical way. How much is really because of this resonance, this energy, this electricity that, that allows for some kind of transcendental connection and how much is coming through your assertion of action?
0: Yeah, I would say it's 50-50. Really? And I would use the word code creation. Okay, right, cool. And to me, I forgot what book it was, but it was, or maybe there's a parable, right? Where it's like, I prayed, you know, God, like, come help me. And then like, the bow. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like, no, you, no, like, yeah, no, no yeah. action, dude, you have to do the thing. Right. And, you know, my follow-up book to The Miracle Morning was The Miracle Equation. And The Miracle Equation is a concept that I had created long for The Miracle Morning when I was in sales. I actually originally created to break an all-time company sales record that something no one had ever done before. And it really combines the woo with the practical. It's the two decisions that move your biggest goals from impossible to inevitable. And the two decisions are, number one, unwavering faith, and number two, extraordinary effort. And so it's maintaining unwavering faith, and that faith can be in God. It could also even be in just yourself. It could be in luck. It literally is just in some unseen, this, you know, force, right? The serendipitous force. And then the other piece of oh, extraordinary effort. So I'll maintain unwavering faith that I can do it, even if it doesn't look like it, even if I'm not on track, even if I, I got knocked down three times, I'll get up a fourth. right? I'll maintain unwavering faith. I can do this. I can do it. I don't know how, but I'm going to keep trying. Okay. I'm going to keep going. And you can't sit on the couch and do that. Yeah. yeah. Then the extraordinary effort is I'm going to do. do everything in my power to actually get there. And then what I've found, my experience has been that it is this 50 50 where as I'm working my butt off and I'm really trying hard, miracles just show up. And I'm like, Oh my God, I never could have predicted that that would have happened the way that it did. Yes. And it feels goose It feels like that's not an accident. Yes. That's so, not a coincidence, you know? So okay. yeah.
1: that's really, really helpful. And I get it. Like when you say it, I'm like, yes. And I feel that I am completely that kind of person who geeks out on both spirituality yep. and God and all that. And then I also, I love, I love doing, I love yeah. taking action. I, I enjoy it. I feel so inspired when I'm busy with a project. It's like, I don't even own a TV. Like I haven't watched TV since 2006. Oh my gosh. it was like, I think that was like the last episode of the Oprah Winfrey show. I took notes and then I was like, I don't think I need a TV anymore. Wow. Not that I was even like a, an avid watcher, but I watched it sometimes. Anyway, the point is I love those two things. The question I get from my listeners all the time is, "But well, what is the action to take? Like, this is really helpful because this is spirituality and the connection to the immaterial put in a really beautiful, easy to follow formula. Yep. Then the, what do I do with the other 23 hours and whatever minutes, right? Yep. If I've done six minutes on, look how good I am at math. But if I take the rest of the day to do the action part, people say, how do I know what action to take? Yeah. And so how do you ascertain what action to take? Yeah. Is it from the download you get when you get quiet in that first part of the savers? Is it from a amazing business plan that somebody, you know, helped you put together? Like, where are you finding that roadmap? Where do you go to know what action to be taking?
0: Yeah. So great example of that. And to me, the miracle morning is kind of what enables me to get clarity on that action. Exactly. And I'll use a real life example. So 2008 is when I created the Miracle Morning because I was financially distraught, right? right? I was a mess. I went to my finance around. Okay. So how did I do that? The first thing that I did was I ordered a book off Amazon called Book Yourself Solid by Michael Pork. And it is for service based businesses, which as a coach, I was a service based business, right. how to get more clients. I needed a roadmap. I needed someone to tell me what I needed to do. Right. Okay. So that is where that came from. Then I would meditate every morning in a state of like confidence. Like I can do this. I can do this. I would just kind of get myself like I can do it. Right? right. Then I would create affirmations that right listed. I'm committed to increasing my income. I don't know if they doubled it. Right. But I mean, getting my income back up. It's a must for me because I, you know, I'm tired of feeling this way, and I, I want financial security and eventually abundance. And right. you know, and then I would visualize myself every morning doing the thing that I needed to do. So, real quick, let's unpack visualization. It's a good time. So, the way we've been taught with visualization is the biggest challenge is we've only been taught to visualize what we want, yeah, not what we need to do to get. It. And that's the most so important true. part to the visualization practice. Interesting. So. We've been taught to make a vision board. and like, picture all this, right? Yep. Now there's value in that because when you see what you want with clarity, right? You, it draws you toward it. You're now, I'm motivated. I want to make that a reality. But if that's all you do, it's literally counterproductive because you trick your brain into thinking that it's a foregone conclusion, independent of your effort. You know, if someone's like, Hey, are you going to, you know, what are you doing to achieve that goal? I visualize it every day. Really? So you feel good about it? Yeah, I, I see it, man. It's so real to me. So what are you actually doing though? I told you, I visualize it every day. Yeah,
1: it like, makes my stomach hurt. Yes.
0: Oh, no, no, but don't get it to do oh, things,
1: right? Like record the podcast, press yeah, button, yeah. tell somebody, tell someone to listen to it. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. so
0: the second part of visualization to me, which is like goes untaught by many people, is that you have to actually visualize yourself doing the thing that you need to do today that will take you one step closer to the ultimate vision. So when I was training for the ultra marathon, I hated running. So every morning I'd visualize crossing the finish line and get myself like, Oh, that was it. It's going to feel like such a moment of accomplishment. It's going to be amazing. So that was drew me toward it. But that was the least important part of the visualization. The most important part was I bought a book get other. And how do you, so how do you know what to do? You buy a book from someone that already <laughs> did what you need to do. And that's part. Yeah. Then miracle morning is your first one. That sets the tone of the stage work creates the space for all the rest of them, right? All the other books that you're going to read. So with the marathon, I bought a book called The Non Runners Marathon Trainer because I hated running, and it was a book for people that don't like running but that were like, I want to run a marathon. And so I I read that every morning, and then I would create the affirmations of, I'm committed to running 52 miles on Mm -hmm. October 29, 2009, no matter what. I'm doing it because it's helped me become the best version of myself that can then overcome and accomplish anything that life throws at me. Because if I can do that, I can anything, Mm -hmm. right? And to follow through, I will read this book and follow the training plan to a T, whether I feel like it or not. Then when I visualized in the morning, I would picture my phone on my coffee table sitting in front of me during the the morning. Beep, 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 beep. It was 7 a.m. I'd visualize that. I would hear it because that's the time I committed to go for my rent. But I'd visualize myself like I'm seeing through my eyes, turn off the phone. I'd visualize myself walking into my bedroom, getting dressed in my running clothes, heading out the front door, opening the front door, looking at the sidewalk. And I, Kathy, I did this for six months. I still see that. I can see it exactly how it was. And I haven't lived in that house for like 20 years. That's crazy. I opened the door, I'd see the sidewalk, and then I'd recite my affirmations with with like energy.
1: It's so brilliant. This makes so much sense. I've never heard anyone else say it. No, visualize the thing you have to do in between here and there.
0: And it was so compelling that when the alarm went off at 7 a.m., my human nature, without that visualization, would have been like, I'll do it tomorrow. I can miss a day. We all do that, right? You had already memorized. Yeah, that's not what I meant to I didn't mentally rehearse procrastinating. So that's not what I did. It's almost like I was a robot in the best sense of the word, where I was like, oh, 7 a.m., time to get up, go in my bedroom, get dressed, head out the front door. And when I opened that front door and I saw the sidewalk, instead of feeling like, oh God, I have to run, I was flooded with the emotions that I generated during my visualization. You can apply that practice to engaging with your kids, with your spouse anything and everything.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. I feel like two of the things that stop people from taking action, which you've probably heard because you've coached thousands and thousands of people, millions. It's these two lies. It's the I'm not enough, Mm. which is like so deep that it will cost me any goal because who am I to accomplish anything? And then the second one is it's not actually possible right? And so those two myths I find when I like dig deep with people, it's one of those two things. Well, it's not possible. So why would I even attempt to create a great podcast or I'm not really worth anything. So why would I even get into a relationship? Because eventually they'll find out that I'm not worth it. It's like those two things are so prevalent. And so I'm curious what you say to people that might be compelling to help them to, uh, Set those two beliefs down.
0: My favorite affirmation, Yeah, and I want to make this clear, in the the book, it's very clear that the formula that I just gave y'all is only one formula. It is my favorite formula, but I create affirmations like, here's how I define it. An affirmation in simplest form is nothing more than a reminder of something that you want to keep top of mind. That's it. So the affirmation formula that I shared to me is like a very much, I want to improve my life in these measurable ways. Here's what they are. I'm committed. Here's why. Here's what I'm doing. My favorite affirmation is I am just as worthy, deserving and capable of everything I want in my life as any other person on earth. That's it. And I affirm that every day. And here's the thing. We are all just our younger self in an older body. I'm a totally insecure. Like I, I struggle with fear. And like in high school, I was never the popular kid. I always was picked on. I write, I'm still that kid in a 44 year old body. So, you know, the affirmations of her life, it's like exercising every day. You need to do it, right? But I still have all the same fears and insecurities that I've always had. I'm just able to overwrite them. I guess that's the difference, right? They're still there, but I'm like, nope. Yeah, I, I get it, little voice of doubt, but I'm just as worthy, deserving, and capable of what I want as any other person on earth. So watch me, right? I'm going to show you this. So that affirmation is really, really crucial. And then in terms of the second piece, it's not possible. So that like I mentioned my follow-up book. Miracle Equation. I quote Jim Rohn again now, but different philosophy. Jim Rohn said, and I'll paraphrase, the purpose of a goal is not to hit the goal. The purpose of a goal is who it makes of you by trying to achieve it.
1: So gorgeous.
0: And so that for me was a game changer where I went, oh, if the real purpose of a goal isn't achieving the goal, let me explain, let me unpack that for a second. Like, let's say you make a bunch of money.
1: Which is huge. That statement is so big. That's not the purpose. It's like, why?
0: No, because the money gets spent. Right. And then you are who you were. That's why lottery winners that get a bunch of money, yeah. right? Then they go back to right right? Because they didn't grow. Only the growth lasts forever. Let's take a parallel of two different people. They're both working towards a goal. Let's say it's a sales goal, whatever. Person number one, on day one, they meet this wealthy person and they buy the entire amount that both of these people were shooting for, for the entire month long goal. Person number one's like, oh my God, I hit my goal. Everyone's like, you're the winner. You're amazing. And they're like, I'm taking the rest of the month off. Right. Person number two works their butt off, gives it everything they have, has to overcome challenges and obstacles, feels like giving up, but doesn't give up, keeps going. And maybe they fall short of the actual measurable goal at the end. Who benefits more in the long run? Yeah, It's person number two because the growth, who they became is far more valuable than that short-lived goal the other person achieved. So here's the point. If you think it's impossible, Great, give it everything you have until the last possible moment, regardless of the results. Yes. Watch what happens, watch who you become and watch what becomes possible after that.
1: Yeah, we just just, uh, when we moved into this house, we have a movie theater downstairs and I was like, what's the first movie we should watch? And I was thinking, what did my kids not seen? What would be fun? And we watched Rudy, which yeah. is course And that just makes me think of Rudy, right? Because it's like who he became by working that hard To get on that football team and to get into Notre Dame and we kept getting rejected. It's like that's the prize. Like, look, look at this person and then look what that showed so many other people that they could do.
0: Totally.
1: I guess it like rounding out the conversation. Real quick, I just have to mention this because
0: it was nostalgic. The first speech I ever gave up the New York Morning was Rudy Rudiger's warm. And
1: oh, my God, it was
0: a 15 minute speech at this event. Rudy was the headliner and I warmed up for him bumps. and he came up there and he goes, how do I follow that? And yeah, it was like, to have, to have Rudy Rudiger. I'm like, yeah, it was it was amazing. Anyway, that amazing. was just really cool to hear. I haven't heard his name in a long time.
1: That's amazing. Okay. And I'm yeah. not surprised that God would put you guys together in that moment, because, I mean, I'm sure when he's stood there hearing your story, he was like, this makes my story Nothing. Like, like his story is the, he's the warm up to you. I feel like these days, right? Life is always hard. If we looked at any page from history, we'd always say like, oh, that was such a hard time. That's was yeah. such a hard time. But I feel like there is a way in which now, because you and I are the same age, I'm also 44. Oh, awesome. We're like, I think about like, you know, what life felt like in 1988. like Simpler time. Yeah, it's just simpler. Right. And so I feel like and you have a great way of looking at everything, but specifically, you know, you you talk a lot about 2008, which felt like that, mm-hmm. felt like that for a lot of people, like the, the bottom was just being taken out from under people. And I think right now it feels like world and the economy and, and it starts our mind very quickly goes to this place of like, all of this seemed great. This was a great thing to, to think about personal development and building, building a, a life and building my destiny. All that sounded great about it uh, four years ago before COVID, right? Yeah, and now yeah. since then, it just se- it feels like we're all in this like washing machine. Totally. And it's very easy for people to say, I don't even know what the future looks like. Totally. Like, where are we going to be? What's going to happen? Like, it yep. literally starts to feel like very, very scary and overwhelming. And so. Being a person who has overcome so much that feels really personally overwhelming, what is your personal take for people right now in this moment who would like to build a beautiful future and build a beautiful family and build a beautiful business? I mean, I had a friend say to me, he was dating and he's like, I don't even want to look for somebody to meet because like I don't want to bring kids into this world. And I was like, my I've God, that's that. such a yeah. sad thought. And then yeah. my friend's daughter, she's about to graduate from college and she's like, I don't even know what life could possibly look like and who am I to like try to sell someone any idea or anything when the world feels so hopeless. And I was like, wow, right, that is there, right? Yeah, yeah. So what's your, when you go to sleep at night and you're looking at the world and you look through your eyes though, is there also at the same time a giant opportunity right now? Does that feel real? Like what is the possibility that we can aspire to reach in this moment?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I share all of the fears and concerns and even feelings of hopelessness that everyone does right now. It's yeah. collective, I think, that yeah. for all of us. Yes. And even when, I'll say when 2020 hit and, you know, we were locked in our houses, we didn't yeah. go anywhere, right? right? And in the beginning, it's like, how dead this that disease? Seems deadly. Are we going to die? Like, right? We don't know. Yeah. As a leader of the Miracle Morning community and, you know, I've got a podcast that people look to me and on and on. They need you. And I'm a dad. So, you know, and a husband. So I'm asking, okay, I'm trying to understand what's, that's always going thing, what's the best response? How can I respond in the, What's the best response right now to help others with and to, to help myself? And I realized this. There's a lot that's out of our control, right? Now. I mean, there always is, but it feels like today in this time, yes, 2020, yes. Yeah. And I realized that when we focus our energy and attention on that, which is out of our control, we feel out of control. That's right. That doesn't serve us nor anyone right. else. It causes stress and fear, anxiety, which leads to depression. So it only makes sense to focus on that which is in our control. And in 2020, what's in my control? Two things. Who I become and how I show up every day, which are interconnected. Who right. I become every day and how I show up for myself, for my friends, my family, my loved ones, my community. So the only thing I can control is... Is becoming the best version of myself and showing my best for those I love and those I lead every single day. And He goes back before we were doing the podcast. This Margaret Wheatley, her book. Who do you choose to be? It's like in the midst of this time, who do you choose to be? And we don't know the future. And I was talking to my daughter about this because she's, you know, I mean, she's fourteen, and her friends are like world wars and like, what's the point? Are we even, you know, is the war going to blow up? You know. And I said, sweetheart, I want you to understand that there have been times throughout history, countless times, when. Countries, communities, nations felt scared and hopeless, and that their life was uh, the push of a button could end it all. World War One, World War Two. Imagine growing up in in the Col- you Cold know Nazi War. Ger- yeah
1: the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh no, or, on, or yeah. growing
0: up in, in a communist country, or growing up in you know Nazi Germany. All of it. I go, and we're all still here. I said, so the odds are that we're going to look back on this time and be like, that was the crazy that we thought the world was ending but it's 20 years later and we're still here. And so that to me is where I'm operating from a place of, I don't know. And yeah, all of that, you're right. And and I, but I just catch myself. Part of the miracle evening chapter in the book is at night, you have to realize your only objective is to prepare yourself for restful sleep. So thinking anything other than that, that's out, and here's the thing, at, at night, there's nothing in your control other than going to sleep. So thinking about what happened earlier, that's, you can't change that. Thinking about what's going on tomorrow, that's tomorrow, right? think about what's going on in the world, think about the government, think about the economy, like all out of your control and it makes you a wreck. But the only thing to focus on is going to bed. And so you you zoom that out to life. You can't control what you can control. So there's no value in wasting your energy into wishing it were different, trying to understand it, trying to control it, trying to know what's going to happen. Just wake up every day and dedicate time to becoming the best version of yourself so you can show up at your best for those you love and those you lead. And here's, I don't know if this is a morbid, but here's the way I've been thinking about it. I think if we were told today, you have one week to live, you have one week to live, would you live every moment in fear or would you go, I got one week to live. I might as well make this the best week of my life. I might as well enjoy every possible moment. And now zoom out to this fear of you don't know what's happening in the world and when things are going to end or how they're going to end. And live that same way. Enjoy every possible moment of this one life that we've been blessed to live.
1: It's incredible to hear it from you because you literally had to go through that multiple times. And what strikes me about you and your story is that every time you've been met with this overwhelming, just giant mountain of what is out of your control, it actually becomes. What reveals even more good and more light, which then goes on to help millions of people. And so I think that that's what is always also possible is that we've seen through history that when darkest things happen, you see just like when there's something in the body and then everything rushes to create healing and wholeness. It's like this piece of contrast this darkness also then it's like star wars and also mm-hmm. is then what sort of calls forward all this light and then the light grows yeah. to take on this contrast and so it's like mr roger said it's like look for the helpers it's like you see in these moments and so humanity then gets to keep choosing how much more humanity and what you said only you really can say what you said with that kind of authority because you have lived that, you've walked that. And so there's a way in which your words, the way they pour over people, it enters the heart because you speak it because you've already lived it. And so I just want to say, like, I just hope and pray that you continue to live such a long life so that you realize as you live your life what a tremendous blessing you are, that the gift of just you being who you are in the world and what, what has already happened, it loves people into life. It gives people life on impact. And so everyone should obviously go get this book. And I said to you earlier, I'd love to do this chat journey. I'd, 30 love, day journey. I'd love to like take a journey because I do wake up Early and I often do meditate, but I love to add to my meditation practice the specificity and the the clarity and the the structure that you provided. I feel like every time I hear you speak or I read anything you've written, it like we all have this button inside of us. It's either on or off. It's like you turn on the Christmas lights and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember who I can be. And I think that's such an incredible gift to remind people who they can be. So Thank you so much for everything. Tell everybody this comes out December 12th. December 12th. And where can they get it?
0: Where books are sold. Yeah. Which is the first time you get where books are sold because this was a self-published book for That's the last 11 years. Crazy. Yeah. and uh, Wow.
1: It was a self-published book that took the world by storm, literally the world, because you said then when it first was published, it was published in all these other countries. And now this is the first time that it's being...
0: So it's a weird hybrid thing where... It's self-published in the U.S., but it's traditionally published in 37 other countries. So all these foreign publishers picked it up. Right. And then now there's the first time that in the U.S. it'll be traditionally published. So, you know, Walmart, Target. Amazing.
1: And, and is there to... some kind of like people pre-order it? Is there some kind of like bonus situation or something? So
0: we have a pre-order bonus, but it depends on when this comes out. Sure. So, um, yeah. But the new MiracleMorning.com is where there are some pre-order bonuses. You get to Amazon or wherever you get it. Yeah.
1: Amazing. It's like liquid. so I was going to say liquid sunshine and there's a sun on it. It's like liquid sunshine. It's vitamin D. To the infinite power to listen to you speak and to talk to you about it. And, um, it's amazing. I'm so excited to have you here. And, uh, I feel like right now I could literally do anything. I feel like I could sign up to run a 52 mile marathon. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much.
0: You're so, so grateful. You're welcome. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I always love speaking with him. He is truly superhuman. Here are the takeaways. Number one, how you start your day can be the most important decision that you make. It sets the tone, the context and the direction for the rest of your day. If you want to transform your life, it's transforming your morning that makes the impact. Number two, you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of everything you want in your life as any other person on earth. Number three, you can't just visualize your dream. You have to visualize yourself taking the action you need to do today that will get you one step closer to the ultimate vision. Number four, the purpose of a goal is not to hit the gold. The purpose of the goal is who it makes of you by trying to achieve it. Only the growth lasts forever. Number five, if you think it's impossible, that's great. Give it everything you have until the last possible moment, regardless of the results. Watch what happens. Watch who you become and watch what becomes possible after that. Number six, only focus on that which is in your control. And the only thing you can control is becoming the best version of yourself and showing your best for those you love and those you lead every day. And number seven, enjoy every possible moment of this one life that we've been blessed with. Okay, before we wrap this up, I want to celebrate some of the amazing students who went through my podcast program. So I want to shout out to Jessica Fine and her I Don't Know How You Do It podcast and Megan Dwyer and her podcast Money Isn't Scary and Kim Anderson and her podcast Design Her Travel and Mitzi Campbell and her Blessings podcast. You're all incredible. I love these women so much. I'm so proud of them. Go give them some love and listen to their shows. We're going to put the links in the show notes too. Thank you so much for being here. I know that there's so much going on with holidays and everything else. It means so much to me that you're here I hope that this show inspired you and touched your heart. If you want to make sure that you get more episodes like this, please make sure you're following us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if anything is resonating with you and you feel like you want to share this show with someone, send them the link, email someone the link. Like it could make a difference in their life in such a big way. Finally, if you want to join me for a free pop-up holiday workshop this Wednesday morning, you can go to kathyheller.com slash enchanting. We'll be together on Zoom and we'll be doing some affirmations some visualization and some intention setting for the most magical 2024 ever. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song and I'll talk to you soon.